I want to invite you to to uh, think with me for a few moments and to listen and hear the reading of God's holy word, uh, the book of Acts, the eighth chapter, probably a portion of scripture that most of us are familiar with, beginning at verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot, He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearers, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the unit said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through that region, he proclaimed the good news in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And this is the word of God. Let us pray. For these sacred moments, O God, we are grateful. In the still and the silence of this holy place, touch our souls and make a new mark on our hearts. In the name of Christ, amen. And if for some reason, this has all been worked out, Will doesn't know it. There are only two people, maybe three people that know this, okay? But it's all been worked out. If I should stumble or fall or stutter, someone in the congregation has assured me that she would get up and carry on with the service and preach the sermon. So, I am confident that either me or she will do that. I was a junior in high school. It was the late 60s, 
And that's when I met uh, Mr. Sam Harden. Mr. Sam Harden was an elderly African-American businessman in the little town of York, South Carolina. And I had just started to work as a soda jerk at the York Drugstore. Mr. Sam was a regular customer in our drugstore. That's where he got all of his medication. He would buy some other things, but he loved strawberry milkshakes. So after doing business at the pharmaceutical counter, Mr. Sam would walk over and order his strawberry milkshake. The first time that I waited on Mr. Sam, I fixed the milkshake, I handed it to him, and shared with him the cost of the milkshake, whereupon his reply was, I need to make my mark. I know I look strange at him and said, I beg your pardon? He said, I need to make my mark. One of the full-time ladies at the drugstore came over and said to me, Johnny, that's what, this is high school, okay? So said, uh, said, said, Johnny, let me explain to you. Said, we keep ledgers of accounts, and Mr. Sam has an account. And you put on the ledger the, the, the milkshake and the cost, and he'll make his mark. He could not write. So he simply made an X. From that day forward, I look forward to Mr. Sam coming in. Not so much that to write in the ledger and to see him make his mark, but to, to listen to his stories and to see how much he enjoyed that strawberry milkshake. But it didn't take but one time, that first time, to know that his mark was good to know that it was accepted, that it was genuine, that you could trust that mark. And I never had to hear him say again, I need to make my mark. I just wrote it down, handed it to him, he made the X, and then went on about his storytelling. How often do you suppose in your life do you have an opportunity to make of an impression or making a difference on someone else's life. How often in a day do you as a child of God have an opportunity to leave a mark on someone else? Think about it for just a few moments with me if you will. The numerous times, the opportunities, they go and come. Often we, we miss out on those opportunities or let them slip by. Thank God there are those times when we take full advantage of that moment to leave a positive mark on the life of someone else, to make a difference, especially to make a difference for the living God and the truth of the gospel. Think about your vocations. What you do or what you've spent your life doing, 
the numbers of peoples that you have entertained. Can you imagine Dr. King right before he put somebody to sleep? Now just think about this. Just think about this. You, you think about the number of people who undergo surgery every day. And you think about an individual, not, maybe, not, maybe not that doctor, probably that doctor, but how many doctors whisper a little prayer for a patient before they go in surgery? Think about it. Whether you're a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, a ditch digger, a garbage collector, a homemaker, it doesn't matter. The numbers of opportunities that you have in the, in the moments of what you do to make a mark, to make a difference, a positive difference, are too numerous for us to count or remember. Same is true of, of preachers and pastors. And Will, this is the place where, where really I should just take the rest of the day and, and talk about the last 40 years. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. But just imagine what it is that you and I, for, for the sake of the gospel, could accomplish if we took advantage of every opportunity that we have to make a mark on someone else's life for God Himself. There are many people who, who, who lead life, who live life, and, and, and live in and through their work solely for the achievement and the accomplishment. Some of you know that 28 years of my ministry, uh, I had a secondary, if you will, a secondary ministry. It was, uh, I was a chaplain in the United States Army uh, for 28 years. And, um, and in the military, often soldiers and sailors and Marines and, and airmen are recognized with achievement, or commendations, those kinds of things. And, and with each medal or citation, there is a frameable certificate. And traditionally in, in the military, that's, you're, you're given that and said, here's something for your I love me wall. Do you have a I love me wall at your house? Do you? Achievements and accomplishments are fine and wonderful, but not so much when it's just for self-gratification. God, through Jesus, calls you and me, yes, to make a difference, but not for us, but rather the, rather the sake of the gospel. So I, we, we don't need an I love me wall. But in and through your work, in and through what you do, I pray that you would use your work 
to leave a mark. To leave a mark for God. What about your relationship? They're probably more so important than our vocation. Those of us who are parents, do you think about the mark you leave on your children? Do you? I don't care how old they get or how young they are. In that relationship, mama and daddy are called every day to leave a mark on the life of their children, to make a difference. This young family seated here on the front pew presented their son to your pastor a few moments ago for the sacrament of holy baptism. And before the waters of baptism were blessed and used, he asked, Reverend Malambri asked them some questions. But he also asked you a question. And whether you realize it or not, you made a promise to leave a mark on that little boy. I hope you realize what you did this morning. That you made a promise as the people of God and as the church of Jesus Christ to make a mark on the life of that little boy, on Stephen's life. That he might know what it means to be marked by the waters of baptism and be a child of God. Parents, grandparents, one my, my favorite picture in our house is a small photograph I'm assuming my wife took it, but I am seated in the kitchen at our daughter's house. And it's breakfast or lunch, I don't know. But the, I'm, I'm, I'm like this, it's time to say the blessing. And our oldest grandson, James, at the time must have been about two. In the picture, he's looking up at Pop and smiling. And you can see his hands coming together. Think about, think about the opportunities as parents and grandparents. Those of you who are parents and grandparents to make a mark, to make a difference upon the lives of your children and your family. Those of us who are married, think about your relationship with your spouse. Think of, I, I, I think over almost 43 years, could I have done something different to make it a little bit better? It's important that you and I, in our relationships, seek to make a positive difference. To make a mark. And what about your friends and your neighbors? Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Guy was, was beaten up and robbed and left in the ditch to die. Holy man comes along and walks by on the other side. The second holy person comes by and walks on the other side. Third, a stranger, a foreigner comes by, binds up his wounds, picks him up, takes him to somewhere he could be cared for. 
I've often wondered if the guy who was robbed ever knew the guy who helped him out. Who made a mark in his life. In your vocation, in your relationships, in my vocation, in my relationships, God calls us each day to make a mark to make a difference, a positive difference upon the lives of those round about us. Family, friends, sojourners, strangers. We're called to make a difference. And the most important is reflected in the story that I read from the book of Acts. The most important mark you're called to make and I'm called to make is as a disciple of Jesus the Christ. A child of God, a disciple of Jesus, to make a mark on somebody else's life, to bring somebody else or to introduce somebody to the love and the grace of God in and through Jesus the Christ, that is the highest calling that you or I will ever hear. Philip listened to the Spirit, did he not? The Spirit of God said, Philip, go from here and go down this road. And he got up and went. That same Spirit said, Philip, you see that person in that chariot? You need to go join them. He got up and joined them. He broke the bread of life. He shared with him the Scriptures and taught him about Jesus. So much, so convincing was Philip that the unit said, I want to be baptized. And again, after baptism, the Spirit snatched Philip up, took him to a new, another region where Scripture says he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Philip made a mark on that eunuch, and I will, I will believe with my whole heart till my last breath that when the eunuch got back to Ethiopia, he didn't say, here, look at my, my cell phone and look at all the pictures I took in Jerusalem. But rather, he said, let me tell you about who I met on the way home. And it wasn't Philip. Let me tell you about who I met. Can you imagine the opportunity to make a mark for Jesus on an entire country? And that's what happened that day. Another way to explain it in just a, in just a few seconds is to hear the words of Mr. Wesley. As once more, he encourages us to do all the good you can by all the means you can. In all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. You need to make a mark. You need to do all the good you can do. For God's sake and the sake of the gospel. Some of you know the name Amy Grant. 
She began her career of entertainment as a contemporary Christian singing artist. She uh, moved over to popular music along the way, met and fell in love with country music star Vince Gill. They married and they started a family. When they started the family, the decision was made that Amy would stay home, would discontinue or take a break from her career while her children were young. The time came when the children had grown to the age where Amy and Vince had a discussion and it was decided that she would resume her career. She practiced, she set up the concert dates and uh, got her band and her group together. It was time to go on the concert tour. They loaded the bus to leave Nashville and on the way out of town stopped at Amy's mama's house. She got off the bus, went to the door, went inside, her mama suffering from Alzheimer's. said, Mama, I'm going back out on the road. I'm going to continue my career. Her mama, of course, did not know who she was. But she understood that whoever it was before was a singer. And so she asked, she said, Dear, would you sing me a song? And Amy said, Mama, it's, it's late and we've got a schedule to keep. I promise I'll sing a song when I get home. And she turned around and as she left, her mother called to her dear and Amy turned back around and said, What is it, Mama? Mama said, Whenever you sing, sing something significant. Make a mark for God. And do something significant. Amen.